Well, Tyler asked me like a couple of months ago, was like, hey, do you want to teach on giving? And I said, wow, that was really rude of you to just call me out like that. <laughs> um, it's something that's very easy to get left by the wayside, especially in, in uh, churches here in the valley where we keep the box in the back, we don't pass around the plate. It's easy to just kind of forget, let it space, whether it's intentional or not. Um, so it's uh, something that I know Jeremy definitely wouldn't want to be the one teaching on because it comes off as, uh, what's the word? Almost disingenuous, sort of. Um, let me find my paper here. Take a deep breath. All right. So we, I had a PowerPoint at one point. I don't know if it, it's ever going to come back. That's okay. If you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and take them out. But we're not going to turn anywhere yet because it's topical. Uh, when we deal with money or anything for that matter, our first matter of, oh, would you look at that? <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. When it comes to looking at anything uh, to do with life uh, and the Bible, first thing we have to do is kind of go to the Word and figure out some of the basic facts about what we're dealing with. What is money? Is it evil? Um, no, no. So, oh. So uh, first thing we need to recognize is um, money is a, a tool. It's a powerful tool, but it is also a dangerous tool. Um, oh, perfect, thank you. If you look over here, you will see a man operating a table saw. Now that is a powerful tool, a very useful tool. Um, use it for getting your cuts straight, getting your cuts accurate. Um, if you've ever tried to make furniture with just a uh, skill saw, you'll know that uh, your lines don't come out straight. They don't come out right. Um, but a table saw, the, the picture with the man there, he's using something to push it along so he doesn't get his finger caught in a blade. Um, I had a, a coworker who was not that fortunate one time, who didn't have a pinky finger because he got it caught in a table saw. It, it's one of those things where it's a good thing, right? A table saw is a good thing to have around. But if it's not used properly, not handled well, then it becomes incredibly dangerous. So um, when we approach money, we have to kind of approach money with that same sort of perspective. Um, first thing is, money is, of course, given by God. It is a gift from God. It's something that we deal with any, every single day. I, uh, oh, there he goes. So if you've got your Bible, I need some volunteers to read. Whoa, Andy. Quick as lightning. Could you turn to Job 42.12? I need another one. Yes, sir, Mike. Uh, Malachi 3.12, and did I see one more? Go ahead, Logan. You've got James 4.13-15. You said Malachi. Malachi 3.12. It's something that money isn't inherently evil in and of itself. Um, we often hear the verse misquoted. Uh, the, money is the root of all evil. Of course, we know not the case. The love of money is the root of all evil. Um, and it's quite the opposite. Money is something that's pretty, what's the word we're looking for? Amoral. Amoral, thank you. It doesn't have a, a bent one way or another. And oftentimes God gives it as a gift, as a tool for us to use, whether we're going to use it for good or use it for evil. Uh, Andy, did you find the verse there? Yep. Go right ahead. 
The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, and he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 female donkeys. Okay, that came out and looked a lot bigger on my computer screen, so I apologize for the size of the text there. But we see God, after he had taken every, allowed Satan to take everything from Job, he gives Job back even more than he had when he initially started there. So God blessed Job with additional wealth. Mike, do you have uh, Malachi 3.12? I do. Sweet. Therefore, on account of you, Zion will be plowed as a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of ruins, and the ruins That is not the verse I thought it was. <laughs> Did I take that one out? 312. Do you mind popping? Okay, my slide shows up. What? That's the next one I have? It looks like everything I have is out of order, so this is going to be real good. Uh, that what that verse was supposed to be about, I don't know where it actually was, was God talking about the restoration of Jerusalem uh, and Israel getting everything, uh, giving back to them what they had, um, uh, what they had lost. Um, so again, a gift, um, yeah. James 4, 13 through 15, if you got it there. Yep, got it. James 4, 13 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow you will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there and trade and make it profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So we see money, again, is only allowed to be, our, our business transactions, everything is only allowed to be given by God. Uh, we don't have anything that God has not allowed us to have in the first place. So, again, it's given by God. It can be used well, but it also can be used dangerously. Money can turn us away from God as well. Um, just like the law, you know, we see God gave Israel the law, right? Israel takes the law and says, this is good, and God goes, this is good. And they take the law and they bend it and they, they warp it and they use it as prerequisites for, for salvation. They use it as a, a tool to bring people under a yoke that they can't handle, like Peter said. It's the same thing with money, where it can be twisted, it can be used as a weapon against us. And we, we see greed a lot of the time. We see, um, we see money being used as a, a tool to subjugate people, right? Um, if anybody has any comments, by the way. Um, I have like one mode and it's like preacher mode, so you can raise a hand with a comment or something. I'm a little over the top. You can ask Abby, it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, and I've got like a lot of verses here. I think I kind of went a little bit overboard. Um, so I've got, if, if we, I'm gonna just gonna assume the PowerPoint's down for the count. Is that probably pretty safe, Tyler? Uh, it's you got some stuff that's tough, right? Okay, I'm trying to fix it. You know, I looked it over twice and was like, "This is an excellent PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's going wrong with this one." <laughs> so, uh, could somebody get First uh, Timothy six ten? Mr. Dean, Joseph, don't look so sad. You can have Matthew 19, 21 through 24. 
Matthew 19, 21 through 24. Um, there's examples all over the scripture of, of um, money becoming a wedge between people and God, right? Uh, we've seen it happen uh, just time and, and time and time again that it, if we allow it, it will stop us from being able to, um, to have a closer relationship with God. It'll stop us from... from um, my words are half-baked. I apologize. I am completely for, just out of it this morning. Uh, Dean, do you have the yep. 1 Timothy 6.10? For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by aspiring to have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Right there. Pierced yourself with many griefs just because they see money and they say, I want this. I want this so bad that I'm willing to turn away from God. I'm willing to just leave what I have. I, I don't need him. Why do I need God when I can be sufficient for myself? It's something that we can become very enamored with, something that we love. Joseph? Yeah. It says, Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And so, here we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago in the, in the Mark study. Uh, Tyler was going through it. And it just shows where Jesus is, is talking to this man about what it's going to take to get into heaven. Um, yes, sir. In Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't say trust in your money with all your heart. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, we can, we can get this idea in our brains that we just want to, to um, depend on ourselves depend on our own means in order to, to get by, to scrape by, um, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. That's a very American concept. And we get so focused on that that we lose sight of what a biblical concept is. Um, with this verse here, the, the rich young ruler says, hey, um, what do I need to be saved? And uh, Jesus goes, hey, um, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be perfect. He goes, oh, okay, well, I've kept the law. And he goes, okay, well, sell everything you have and give it away. And instead of sitting there and trying to, to continue the conversation, he instead right then and there says, nope, I'm done. I can't do this. And he just walks away. And his money gets in the way of him being able to, to be saved. Andy. I think money is just like the tool that you showed, the table saw. Um, it's... It's like a gun. A gun is not, doesn't pick itself up and go and shoot. <laughs> yeah. Right? A gun is either used to hurt people or it's used to stop people who are trying to hurt people. There's a car, you know, a car can be a great thing. I would not be able to work unless I could drive my car 120 miles a day. But some people get drunk and they go and they hit people and kill people on the road. It's a, it's a tool. It's a thing. And it shouldn't control us. It should be used to bless people 
and support our families to do good things. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, Utah drivers are some of the worst, worst drivers I've ever come in contact with. Um, man, every car on that road is a weapon that you got to assume somebody's got it pointed at your head. It's, it's bad, but a car can be a great thing. I thought you were gonna say 120 miles an hour every day. I was like, and now we know what kind of driver Andy is. But you know, I couldn't work where I'm working now. I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't have visited Abby while we were, um, while she was at school and I was living in Nebraska. Um, that couldn't have happened. I mean, these are all good things that can be used poorly, and money is just one of those resources that we can kind of be like, ooh, it's mystical. Just for the record, it's 120 miles a day. A day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we see it here, he says, the disciples are mystified by this. Jesus is like, look, it's going to be harder for a rich man to get into heaven because he can't hold up to the standards. His money gets in the way of him being saved. Meanwhile, the disciples are, 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 have all their sins getting in the way of them being saved. And they're, they're, everybody's kind of all, all together lumped into one group. Jesus is trying to teach him something. And the, the rich man misses it. The disciples end up missing it in this situation. But they'll eventually put it together down the line. Um, where was I? <laughs> okay, so God wants us to be generous with our money. I think we can all safely say that. A, a nod of the head, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> Good deal. Um, God intends us to be generous with what we've got. So, And uh, he has great benefits in mind for us when we are generous. That's something that uh, we, can, we can count on. I'm not speaking prosperity gospel here, of course. You know, I'm not saying you give to God and he's going to he's going to take that money and he's just going to make it multiply and get bigger and bigger and bigger. I, you know, that's not what God's all about. God has never been about making you the richest man or woman that's ever been alive. But God does have benefits for us when we have a generous spirit. Um, two of them that I noticed, uh, at least just looking from a from a face value, uh, the first one would be we can be, we are to be joyful givers. And this is not only a commandment, but it's also one of the great benefits that we can have, be, or we can have as Christians. Um, Christians are supposed to be characterized by joy, right? We got the fruit of the spirit. It's not a coconut. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, love, joy, peace, patience. Um, joy is the second one listed in that, in that list there. And so, it's, it's something that needs to characterize us. When people look at us, they say, wow, those guys have joy. And so if we're looking like we're in pain every time we, put, we have to put money in the plate, we got to do it begrudgingly, then we're in a lot of trouble there. Um, and it, should be, it shouldn't be that way, right? We, we are supposed to have joy in everything we do. Um, we should have joy when we have to meet the needs of others. I know there's people in this church. Um, we know. That, that there are folks here that are more than willing to give, give a hand. We've hit situations here, and the folks here have been very generous, very kind, um, joyfully helping us out in our, in our times of need there. That just floored us and astounded us. Um, it's the kind of givers we need to be. Um, and there's examples all over the Bible of this type of joy. Uh, more reading. Oh, boy. I need a volunteer. Three, actually. Jen, uh, you'll have 
Where's my part? 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And then I need one more. Sweet. You have Exodus 36, 3 through 6. Um, and this joint giving is in providing for others. Providing for, you know, we've got this huge extension that we're trying to work on out here. That takes a lot of money. And, uh, but the Bible says that we need to have joy in, in, in uh, all the projects that we have around us as well. Uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself. You got 2 Corinthians 9-7? So we give with purpose, uh, we give without reluctance, we don't, oh, I gotta, I know I gotta, but like, you're looking at your banking app and you've got your checkbook out and you're like, oh, how is this gonna work? I, I say that because I've done it <laughs> on, on many occasions, it, it's hard. But we need to be joyful. We need to do it with, with love and joy for, for those of, around us. The money that goes to here keeps the lights on here. But not only that, it goes to Pastor Jeremy and his family. It goes to the, um, the, the missionaries that we have on our board, like out in the lobby there. Um, just fantastic stuff that these resources get used for. Um, it's fantastic. And do you have Exodus written? I do. Beautiful. Uh, and they received from Moses all the contribution that the people of Israel had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning, so that all the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each from the task he was doing, and said to Moses, The people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command, and word was proclaimed throughout the camp, let no man or woman do anything more for the contribution for the sanctuary so the people were restrained from bringing. That's crazy to me. When's the last time you've seen something like that happen? <laughs> Normally we got to put together fundraisers and bake sales and everything. You know, the Israelites are, are out in the desert, right? They're in the middle of the wilderness. They're wandering. Now that's a little bit later, but they're out in the desert right now. They're walking and Moses goes, okay, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a tabernacle exactly like God wants here. And there's porpoise skins and goat furs and all this fun jazz. Um, we're going to need gold, lots of gold. We're going to need jewels of all types. Um, this thing is going to be elaborate. It's going to be ornate. It's going to be gorgeous. And he, he goes, okay, but we're going to need volunteers. We're going to need craftsmen. I mean, he's laying out lists. God has given him like detailed instructions. And Moses is like, we're going to need contributions. And the people are like, We'll give you contributions. These guys are refugees right now. They just wandered out of, out of Egypt, right? They're going to a land that they haven't even seen yet. They just know God's talked about it. Um, and for a group of people who are, have been before and will be, again, very whiny about what God wants to, right? They, if they get to the river, they're like, oh, you brought us out here to die. <laughs> They get across the river, they're like, oh, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. Oh, that we were back in Egypt. At least they have cucumbers out there for whatever reason. That's what they were fixated on, garlic and cucumbers. And onions and leeks. It's like, you know, for that group of people to be like, absolutely. And they give, and they give, and they give, and they give out of joy in their hearts despite living in tents out in the middle of the desert. To the point where Moses goes, 
Okay, uh, stop. <laughs> I have never once in my life heard of a pastor or a ministry get up and they go, all right guys, wow, you need to cut it out. <laughs> we're done, we're, we're finished, man. We, we've, uh, we've reached our peak here. We, can't, uh, we, we don't need any more stuff. That's the type of joy we ought to have. Um, and I'm not saying like, oh, we just keep going and going until this building extension's done. I'm not trying to guilt anyone because I'm guilty of it too. I don't own one of these mugs, which should say something about <laughs> But that's the type of joy that we need to have in our hearts for these sort of expansions and, and ministries going on all around us. The, the type of, of joy we need to have when people around us are, are seeing situations um, like... Uh, like in the, in the case of 2 Corinthians, just give without compulsion. Give, give to others in need. I mean, Jesus was adamant about that. Um, but it is um, a, little, a little difficult at times in our, in our minds. Um, it, something that kind of helped me put this all in perspective since I was given enough time, I read an entire book for the first time in like since I left college. It wasn't a big one. I'm not going to act like I was book knowledge devourer. But there was this little book by uh, Randy Elkhorn called The, the Treasure Principle. Um, very good book. Um, very short too, which made it easy for me. Um, and the way he kind of puts it made it a lot simpler in my mind. If you're, if you're struggling with the, the joy of giving to have a little bit of perspective, um, I need someone to, to volunteer for a passage, but it's going to be a little bit of a... Well, actually, it's not that crazy long. <laughs> Go ahead, Andy. Uh, I need you to give me Matthew... I put this in here wrong. I think it's just Matthew 13.45, I think is the one I'm after. I have 44. 44? Okay. Do 44. If it says something about a treasure, like a, a treasure buried in a field, that's the one I'm after. Yep. It's one of those two. <laughs> The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So parables, if you've been in the Mark class, they're, they're basically there to kind of obscure knowledge while also giving biblical principles. So it's not Jesus up there going, hey, this is um, basically, you're going to want to do this. It's him going, Look, if God wants you to hear and understand, you will hear and understand. And often, even his own disciples were like, yeah, man, what was this parable about? I have no idea. And there's still parables that I look at them and go, I have no idea what this is about. But um, Jesus is illustrating a principle with this passage here. He's saying, the kingdom of heaven is, well, like a treasure hidden in a field. So, when, when you're out traveling, you find a treasure and you say, okay, I'm going to bury this up, I'm going to buy this land, and then I'll have this treasure, right? And that's the, the main idea, the main crux of the, the, the little passage there. The idea is, is this, that when we recognize what the kingdom of heaven is, is worth, when we get this perspective of saying, okay, this is now, right? I live in the here and now. But there is coming a point where I will transition from 
from this being on this earth to, to all of eternity. And whatever's going on right here, right now, this little journey I'm on right now, I, my journey's interrupted and I realize that I have access to, to this treasure of eternity. My perspective sh shifts and changes and now my perspective is so laser focused on what is to come. Right? You've heard uh, some people say uh, he is so heavenly minded that he's of no earthly good. You heard that once or twice before. Um, talking about someone who's just every time you talk to them, they're like, yeah, I just can't wait to get to heaven. But a lot of the time they don't bother to do anything here on earth. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, you've you're so focused on like, you know, being in the ministry that you've actually created, you've made yourself a burden to other people, you know, by, by getting so laser focused on just like ministry in your local church that you're not providing for your family, you're not attempting to do stuff like that. I've met people like this. And that's not a right perspective either. But if we lose the perspective of, look, God is coming, are, are we going to be uh, joyful at his coming? Or are we going to be a little bit ashamed at his coming? Or is, you know, we want that good and faithful servant, right? And to do that, we need to understand what God has for his uh, in mind with, with money. It's that, it's that same idea there of it's a treasure hidden in a field. It'd be like Jesus is like coming to us basically in this idea of if we were to go into past, have you ever thought about uh, going into <coughs> Going into the past and giving yourself investment advice for the future, you know, like, I don't know, uh, take for example, like, I don't know, Rex, you go back in time, you say, hey, I need you to invest in the wheel because that's going to be hitting it big here in the next <laughs> You know, I've thought about this. I thought, oh man, if I could go back and talk to my nine-year-old self and tell him to invest in real estate. Yeah, I was too busy eating crayons for that, but think a little further forward, you take like Bitcoin, for example, it'd been like 2018, say, hey, uh, buy some of this, because it's gonna like balloon, like 100, like 100%, it is profit margin, there, or uh, like what was it, like a thousand percent profit margin? I'm like, you should do that. I think about those things every now and again, realize I probably would have never bought into anything in the first place, but it's that, it's that same idea where we go, and Jesus goes, hey, Look, the future is coming. You want to see dividends in the far, far, far flung future. You invest in the future. If you want to see dividends in God's kingdom, then you invest in God's kingdom. That's what giving is. And it kind of takes that perspective for us and says, you know, I should be more joyful. I should be more generous. Again, in his joy, he finds the treasure and he doesn't go, ugh. Yes, I gotta stop my journey, bury this, and go buy a field. <laughs> That's not what's running through this guy's head. He's going, there's treasure here. I'm gonna stop everything. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna buy this field. It's that sort of joy we have to have because we found something worth so much more than just piling up wealth like, like a dragon's hoard. It's not like that. Um, so it can be a little daunting though. Um, because a lot of times we are staring at our, our banking app going, well, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to, to um, pay bills. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this if I give. Um, you know, like, I just don't see how we're gonna be able to save. 
uh, for down the road just in case something happens if we give. Um, those questions have crossed every single one of our minds more than once. I'm 100% I'm sure. Um, but we can have joy in our giving despite that. Um, because joy is not the only thing we're asked of and not the only thing we're provided by giving. But in addition to that, <laughs> hey, there we go. God wants us to give trustingly. When we trust in the Lord, that is like the greatest gift we're ever given. Its burdens fall off of us, right? We say, I know the Lord's going to take care of me. It's not a burden to do so, but we have to physically choose that. Same with joy. We have to choose joy, but it is still the greatest gift we can have as a Christian. Trusting in the Lord is that same exact way. Um, I, I, I have often said, as I said earlier, I'll, I've thought, I'll give when I have more money. No, you won't. If you don't make the intentional choice to give now, you'll, you'll never get into that habit. Uh, what was it? Oh, I think it was J.D. Rockefeller. A guy's like, hey, uh, how much more money do you need to have? And the guy's like, just a dollar more. J.D. Rockefeller, oil tycoon, uh, richest man in the world for like a very long time there before uh, in, or, uh, inflation just kind of ruined the, the metrics for that. Richest man in the world, just one dollar more. He understood that he, that no amount of money was ever going to satisfy that, that urge, satisfy what he wants to do. You have to put your trust in the Lord if you're going to have joy, if you're going to, to continue in the, yes, sir. Part of being a, a good giver is having gratitude and thankfulness. If you can't be thankful for the small things in your life, you'll never be thankful for the big things in your life, and you'll look at life as an entitlement. Exactly. I could not have put that better, and I wish I had put it better. That's great. If we are going to be thankful, if we are, are going to, to, uh, to give, we have to have this understanding that we are grateful for what God has given us. God will provide for us. He has made this promise over and over and over again. Um, when we act out in faith, God will take care of us. I'm not going to have anyone read it because it is a long passage and I don't know where we're standing. How are we standing on time? Have I been rambling for too long? 20 minutes? Dude, I can ramble for too long. Um, in Matthew 6.45, this has always been a comfort. Um, I don't know if I put it on the slide or not. I did not. Good job, Sam. Um, it's the passage where Jesus is saying, uh, why, are, why are you anxious? Why are you worried? Are you worried about what you're going to have to eat? Are you worried about what you're going to have to wear? He says, look, look up at the birds of the air, right? Hundreds and hundreds of birds. They're not, they're, not gathered, they're not sowing fields, they're not harvesting grain, they're not building big old silos to, to house all that. They're not, you know, they don't have livestock. Birds don't have livestock, I don't think. I've never seen a bird rancher. I've seen a lot of ranchers. I have, yet one of them has been a bird. Um, they don't do that, yet God still takes care of them. Are there still birds out there? Yes. He has designed the whole ecosystem to provide for the birds. And he goes, if that's the case, then how much more important are you than the birds? He says, don't stress about it. 
He says, trust in the Lord to provide what you need. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread. It may not look like mountains of wealth piling up. You just need what you need for one day. If you ever read George Mueller's diary, the, uh, the man who ran the orphanages in England uh, during, what, I think it was the, the mid-1800s, um, where he just, every day, it is, a, it is a wonderful read when you go through there, and he's just saying, hey, I needed this, and uh, God provided this. And sometimes it was a little crazier. He's like, we've got a debt coming in. We need to pay this now. They're going to shut off the heat, and uh, I need like $2. And you're like, wow. It's like, I was rummaging through the couch for change, and we found 30 cents. So we're going we're gonna, to, obviously it's in like some weird British pound thing, but <laughs> is, we found 30 cents. So we're going to store that away, but God needs to provide. Oh, I need to turn that off so that doesn't keep beeping on me. Sorry, that's my blood sugar monitor. And we're off. Okay. He says, and then uh, the time comes and you read the diary entry for that day and he goes something like, oh, turns out that debt wasn't due today. That's due, you know, two weeks from now. So, God, you've got about two weeks to, to finally uh, pay it off. And then you see the funds start to come in on that last day. Somebody shows up is like, here's a dollar. And he's like, this is perfect. This is exactly what we needed. Um, God provides in his own way, not in the way we always expect. Um, and... We don't have to, to be worried about those things. We don't have to be stressed out about that. Um, oh, there's where those verses went. Ha, huh, okay. <laughs> Again, you'll look at your papers and you go, oh, this is going to go well. This is, this is exactly how I want this. This is formatted perfectly. Go to print them out and then you're like, oh, no. I should have moved that so I knew where that was. I have some more passages. Would I get some more volunteers? Dean, you will have Luke 21, 1 through 4. You, sir, have 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. And so we can give out of situations where, and these verses are going to show, we can give out of situations where things look dire, where we are stressed, we don't know where things are going to come from, we can still have that joy and that trust in the Lord to say, and be generous with what we have. Um, my parents, as many of you know, have been missionaries for many years. There's been a lot of times where they've been like, we are like right on the cusp. Something I didn't know until I went to Bible school was that my parents were supporting missionaries that whole time. Missionaries supporting missionaries was kind of just like a weird concept to me. But I'd be sitting there talking to a missionary. He's like, oh, you're a Xander. I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, your family's been supporting me for ages, for years. What? <laughs> My dad's been burning the candle at both ends, you know, for the longest time, just making sure we had insurance, let alone working two full-time jobs. I've, I've, it still floors me to this day, even though they didn't understand where the next, you know, where the next paycheck would, or uh, where the, the, the funds for the bills would come from, they were not fully supported as missionaries. They were, they've never been fully supported as missionaries, yet they took the time to intentionally be like, look, we want to give to the Lord to support these ministries we love and we trust and we want to see move forward. Um, do you have that verse ready for me, sir? He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a poor widow putting in two left eyes. 
And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them, for they all put in their gifts out of their abundance. But she, out of what she lacked, put in all that she had for living. Yeah, we can give if we have a lot of money. That's not nearly as amazing and as, as like, this is recorded in the Bible, and that still hits us to this day. Woman's got two pennies, two copper coins, drops them in the bucket. No big fanfare. Just that was it. And she's trusting in the Lord to provide from her, for her from that point onward. It's such a weird little passage, and it's so counterintuitive. Like, I'm imagining this old lady on Social Security, even though that's probably not, she didn't even have that to her advantage. And she, you know, you barely live on that, and then all of a sudden she goes, okay, here's, here's my check. There's my check, Lord, whatever you, whatever you need to use that for, that's what you're after. That's an amazing amount of faith. That's an amazing amount of trust. And I bet you that was done out of great joy because you don't do that sort of sacrificing if there is not joy and love in your heart for the Lord. Jim, was it you I asked? Perfect. Could you give me 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5? 1 through 5? Yes, sir. <clears throat> Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and the deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. When we went over this uh, a couple Sundays ago, uh, it just like hit me like, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly it. You have the, the, the Corinthian church here who's like, eh, yeah, well, we've got our, our wealth. We've got what we need to, to get by. And they're not giving. And Paul's calling them out on this. And he's like, hey, look, look over here. You know, the church is in Macedonia. They're being persecuted. They're losing their jobs. They've, they've, they've got nothing. They are giving out of their poverty, though. He's like, these people are, are like the widow. Who, who put the two copper coins in. It, it's, it's striking and amazing to me. You will never meet, if you've ever had the pleasure of meeting someone who's, who's not in the best of, of financial circumstances and still has a fantastic joy, an amazing generosity, um, I mean, you look at them and say, that is a Christian. That is a, someone who cares about others. That is someone who gives of themselves. That is someone who embodies everything we um, are as believers. Generosity is a very, very, very important and very Christian principle that we often forget. Because we're like the, the Corinthians, the first Corinthians. We're like the Corinthians. We sit here in our, in our country with our opulence, with our... With our wealth and we don't for a second say we, we forget to give we don't give of ourselves like we should so that's something that we all need to be better about um, I don't know any any extra comments before I give her a close out there perfect okay so just remember 
We are to give. We are to give joyfully. We are to trust in the Lord while we do it. If we take these things and apply them to our lives, the world is going to take a look at us and say, wow, whatever they have, I want that. That's the way God designed it. That's the way God wants his church to be, giving of themselves. If you want more examples, there are dozens of more examples. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just going to say that giving, like, a lot of things is difficult because you have to find a balance between having faith in God and being responsible with the stewardship that he's entrusted mm-hmm. us with. So it, it wouldn't be wise for us to take 100% of our paycheck and give it to the church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that's the example we saw with this woman giving her two copper mites, that's not something that I would ever counsel anybody to do. Um, so finding that balance between, yes, being faithful, uh, giving more than what you're comfortable giving, and yet still being responsible, still uh, taking the stewardship that God has given us and uh, managing that well. And what I would counsel anybody and everybody to do is to give something, even if it's couple bucks, I think it's good to have a practice of giving in, in some regard. Just this last week, I took a look at my uh, retirement funds and the way that I wanted to structure that giving and saw that, okay, well, my, my IRA is not doing what I want to do, so I'm going to shift that and put that somewhere else. But I kept you know, 10 bucks in there just so that I'm aware of that. So I know, okay, well, there's that option for the future. Uh, that money's going out, and I'll see that. Thank you. I would have incredibly important. Uh, what does it say? Uh, someone who doesn't provide for their family is is worse than an unbeliever. You, we have to be intentional about taking care of our responsibilities. You don't want to ever abandon your responsibilities in order to to give. That is something that. Uh, what should never be counseled and will never be counseled, but to give. It doesn't matter what you give. As long as you do it purposefully, you do it joyfully, and you're generous with not just your money, but your time, your resources. And there, if you're looking for examples, look around you. There's plenty of people in this church who have been more than generous with all of those resources. So let's take some time and pray real quick, and then we'll close out. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Um, Thank you, for, uh, thank you for the joy we can have while giving. Thank you for promising to take care of us, even when things look rough. Lord, we want to just pray that you would help take this and help us to apply this to, to every step of our lives, Lord. Um, we ask for your, you to be with us as we fellowship and we worship you and we learn more from your word this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.